All right, Mr. Vince, we live. You ready to do this? I'm ready to do this, man. Let's this do it. Yeah. <laughs> today I chose not to let anything win but my drive to get me to the top. do KTTV. This is KT and I'm coming at you live with another episode of the Daily K Podcast. And on today's episode, I have the owner of Chasing the Insights and the host of the Chasing the Insights Podcast, Mr. Vince Warnock. How you doing tonight, Mr. Vince? I am doing, well, I was going to say I'm doing fantastic. I'm always fantastic, but I'm also riddled with the flu at the moment. Not COVID, just the flu. <laughs> but there's no way I'm going to miss this live broadcast, man. <laughs> Look, man, I appreciate you for taking a few minutes to uh, just jump on, especially in the midst of the sickness. Uh, I had a friend of mine who, when COVID first hit, uh, we shot. And so he was he was dying. He was all oh, oh, through the whole show, but he pushed. So, man, I appreciate you because I know how yeah. rough it is. Yeah, especially when you're a man. I mean, yeah, we're wuss, wusses as patients. I'm a terrible patient. And man flu is just devastating. <laughs> I was talking yesterday. I say, um, yeah, you know, kids and men, we 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 don't like being sick. It could be no. rough on you. <laughs> That's cool, the woman man. looking at me go hiding up. Man, so um I, I guess just getting into things. Um before we start, I always like to do a wellness check uh, to just check in because, you know, it's been crazy out here. Um, yeah. So how have you been doing during this pandemic with the Vince and staying safe? Oh, my goodness. Um, other than the cold right now, absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's been it, it's kind of I'm very cognizant of the fact that the pandemic has hit a lot of people very, very hard. I'm yeah. very aware of that. And I'm very aware that like even here in New Zealand, um, I, the latest stat I heard was 70 percent of businesses in one of our major cities are closing down which is phenomenal. And that's a lot of pressure and a lot of horrible stuff. But for myself, um, most of my clients are offshore. Um, I, I, I've kind of stepped into this new kind of role and it's so fulfilling and so awesome. And I've been thriving through all of this. So, mm -hmm. so there's kind of that thing of going, man, I am loving this. It's amazing. At the same time, it's absolutely horrible for all these other people. And I'm very aware of that. So. Yeah. 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 That's the thing about it, man. Just thinking, um, because you see all the death, you see so much going on in the news, but then you think on the back end, like when have we really just been forced almost to sit down with ourselves? Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's so many, so many people that like started up businesses or came out on the other side, just doing different things because we yeah. took time to find ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think people have worked out what's important to them as well. And, yeah. and a lot of times, there's a lot of people that have that kind of entrepreneurial bug where they're like, I want to build something. I want to build a legacy. I want to build something that's going to impact the world. But also, I have a secure job. So why would I leave that? <laughs> so for them, they're like, you know, it's, it's a pretty much a no-brainer. But what COVID um, taught everyone and what the pandemic taught everyone was that yeah. that job that you thought was secure, that thing that you thought was your safety net and your safety blanket actually wasn't as safe as you thought and it wasn't as secure as you thought. And for a lot of people... They were really left out in the cold and forced to kind of go, what's important to me? Is yeah. it important to me to slave to somebody else's vision, mm. uh, knowing that as soon as I have time like this comes, I'm going to be out on my butt, you know? Yeah. Or, or can I create my own wealth? Can I create my own legacy and do something that is actually going to leave a mark? So, yeah. so I think it's been a good thing from that perspective. Man, and, and like you say, just that um, simply having that courage, you know, I um, for me, I, I was faced with almost that decision of what do I want to do? Do I want to stay in education? Do I want to kind of go out on my own? And for me, it was just the simple love of the kids, right? They got yeah. me there. 
Oh, uh, so I, I think in my business, woof, man, you like that job. You do get that security, but you also it's that love. But um, yeah, yeah, so many people were afraid to take that leap for uh, yeah. times like the pandemic. But once you do, I think it's oh, very man. reward. Yeah, I, I do love the fact though that hey, so many people have gone. I'm going to leave my nine to five job. I'm going to leave the security. Of this I'm going to leave all that, and I'm going to be able to control my own time, yeah. my own wealth, my own direction. You're like. You know, it doesn't actually quite work that way. <laughs> like, yeah. You've gone from working eight to 10 hours a day to now 24 hours a day. You've gone from, you know, having a regular pay to now having ups and downs and everything like that. But honestly, it is so worth it. At the, yeah. When you find something you're truly passionate about and something that really fulfills you and something that you can build yourself, it is so immensely satisfying, even with yeah. the lows, you know? Most definitely, man. Very, yeah. very satisfying. Um, So like just jumping in tonight, um, value proposition so as i learn more about marketing as i dig into working with people uh as i really try to set up and learn these funnels um I, i'm learning that it's really all about that story so before we jump into a little bit of that can you give us some background on your work in marketing uh and how yeah. did you get into that helping small business owners like section oh man okay so once upon a time now um <laughs> <laughs> It does feel like that, though. Honestly, I've been doing marketing for, <clears throat> I don't actually want to admit how many years, but it's around 30. Um, so I've been doing marketing for a while. And and I've been doing it in a number of different capacities. So yeah. I work in the corporate sector. Then I work in the startup space and I create my own business. I go back mm -hmm. to the corporate center, uh, sector. Usually, by the way, start a company, fail, then go back to corporate. Then start a company, succeed, um, sell that, and then move back to corporate. Yeah. And I just come off the back of um, selling my largest startup ever. So that was Common Ledger. Um, that was a three and a half year journey of extreme anxiety mm. and stress, um, extreme hard work, but the payoff was incredible. It was a multi eight figure yeah. exit, and leaving that, um, there was an emotional roller coaster till you saw your bank balance. Then suddenly you're very okay with the whole decision. Yeah. Uh, but I left there and joined the team at Signa Insurance and became the chief marketing officer there. So okay. that was a five year journey that on paper was spectacular. Like the pay's ludicrous. You know, it's a Fortune 100 company, and they look after you. Um, I got to travel the world, speaking on stages everywhere, staying in five-star hotels, you know, <laughs> flying business class all over the world. That was kind of fun. I do miss that. Um, and I was getting the results. Uh, I took the online sales from nothing to, or practically nothing, to about half their revenue, uh, which when wow. you're talking a Fortune 100 company and you're talking about doubling their revenue overall, that is significant. Uh, and I got the recognition for that. I got the recognition internally, but also won a slew of awards, got recognized by Adobe as one of the top 50 marketers in the world, published my first book when I'm there, had the the big office with the Mad Men cabinet with all my whiskey in it and everything. On paper, it was all awesome. And I yeah. still remember sitting there in my office one day going, I'm miserable. I'm so unhappy here. And, yeah. and then I would feel really guilty and really ashamed of that as well because um, most people would kill for that job. And it's a great job. Don't get me wrong. Great company, great job. But it wasn't for me. And I felt really bad about that. So it wasn't until I realized why I was feeling that way. And that was because I was incredibly unfulfilled. Um, and for me, where I feel fulfilled is helping people. It's helping small businesses. It's helping entrepreneurs. I've got such a soft spot for entrepreneurship that I needed to be at the front of that. And I certainly wasn't getting that through Cigna. Um, oh. So I made the easiest hard decision in my life. The goal was, by the way, to leave there and just become a full-time author. Uh, that was a really dumb decision. That lasted about a week when I realized having ADHD and writing one book all the time will drive you mental. Um, so one book became many, it became launching my podcast and then helping small businesses like doing coaching work and visibility work for them really came about by mistake because while I'm writing these books, hoping to impact all these people, um, the pandemic hit the world. 
And all of a sudden, the, the entrepreneurs that I was interviewing for my books, the people that I was talking with, the people I was uh, networking with, they all hit the wall. And they were like, man, we, we can't help you. Like, we've got no money coming in the door right now. We're in lockdowns all around the world. We have no money coming in the door. We've got all the same overheads. We don't even know if we're going to exist in two months' time. And that was heartbreaking, mm -hmm. uh, genuinely heartbreaking to hear. I still remember turning around to my wife, and she looked at me and went, you can't let this go, can you? I went, nah. She goes, you're going to have to help out, aren't you? Yeah. So she goes, go for it. So I just came alongside them and asked them if they wanted some help. And yeah. making, like, fortunately, every single one said yes, which was great. But helping them all to become profitable and helping them all to, to deeply connect with their customers and understand their value, their proposition mm -hmm. and understand what makes them so different was so satisfying. Yeah. Seeing these companies that thought they were going to shut down suddenly being profitable again um, was such a rush for me. So... So then I kind of realized, oh, now I'm this thing called a coach. Now I'm this thing called, you know, a marketing and visibility coach. And yeah, like I said, accidental, but incredibly, incredibly fulfilling. Nice, nice. And so thinking about that Fortune 100, um, I know you were into the marketing beforehand, which is what got you in the door. Yep, but yep. what did you take away from that company now that you were able to kind of use going forward as you coach uh, new new business owners? Um, look, a lot of it's, it's so Signal's quite different. And the role that I had at Signal was quite different. And then mm -hmm. in most Fortune 100 companies, everything is kind of prescribed. Like, you know, there's a certain way you do things. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons they did want me in that role, one of the reasons they hired me was because of the work I did in the sp startup space and because I would think different. And some of the approaches I brought to them were introducing experimentation. So actually going, instead of looking for the next big silver bullet, and this is what we're all guilty of as entrepreneurs, we go, oh, if I set up an online course like Amy Porterfield, I'm going to be rich. Or if I set up a quiz like Ryan Levesque, I'm going to be rich. Or if I create the one funnel away, then I'm going to be rich. <laughs> but the reality is, no, you're not. It's yeah. not one thing. It's a progression of multiple little things. And if you focus on that, experimenting, constantly learning, adapting, learning, adapting, then you'll get to a point where you suddenly realize you've come a long way and you're now very prosperous. Yeah. So, so that was kind of what I brought to them. I brought a different way of thinking. And, mm -hmm. and so for me, that's continued on into how I help businesses now. I love looking at new technology, how that serves us rather than how we serve it. I love looking at thought leadership and looking at how do we stand out in a market that is incredibly crowded. And when you talk insurance, man, that is a crowded market that's heavily regulated. So you need to think different. Mm. I say, man. So tonight, like I say, value proposition. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know about this, uh, because it's not a lot of people that know this term. Can you please kind of give us um, uh, uh, your definition of it and put it in the context as we have our discussion for tonight? Sure. Yeah. Well, value proposition. If you put it, boil it down to actually what it is, it's it's what makes you special. Yeah. As simple as that. It's it's going. Okay. I'm Vince. I'm a marketing visibility coach. Why would people want to work with me? What makes me stand out from every other marketing coach that's out there, every other visibility coach that's out there? Um, so that is my value proposition. And the way that we mostly understand it is in, and you'll see this every time you go to a networking event, you go, what do you do? Well, I help women aged 45 to, uh, to 55 who are blah, 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 to do X by Y, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's that value statement that they make, mm -hmm. you know, I help X do Y by doing Z. Um, but really what it is, is it's a way to articulate the individual value. And there's so many different ways you can bring this, that to life over and above that statement. Mm. And, and just thinking about that. So moving from what it is to how important is this value proposition in helping us get leads that convert into sales? I, I, I'd say it goes even more than, than generating leads. So yeah. 
one of the things, and I've, I had this conversation with one of my peers. So one of my peers is all about the funnel, right? So he's all about creating a really solid product yeah. um, that has a pile of features and a pile of benefits and goes, there we go. If I can create the product that has the most amount of features, the most amount of benefits at a really good price, then I'm going to beat all my competition. And sure, he generates leads and those leads convert. But what happens is he's generating a transaction. So what he's doing is he's saying, here's a product. And based on these different factors, you can compare me to everyone else and you can now buy me. But that's a race to the bottom. When you're comparing on price, when you're comparing on features and benefits, you're always trying to outdo your customers and your competitors rather. So where a value proposition really comes in is how do we stand out in a way that means people aren't really comparing you with anyone else. They connect with you. They actually form a relationship with you. And we call this in neuromarketing, we call this a pseudo-social relationship. So this is a bond. And you think of that like um, celebrities, right? So, or musicians, you know, everyone's got their favorite musician or their favorite uh, celebrity, like Chris Pratt, for example. I know that if I meet Chris Pratt in a bar, we're going to sit down and get on really, really well because we have a similar sense of humor. Both of us will enjoy a good pint, a good laugh and all this kind of thing. And weirdly, I feel like he knows me and the guy doesn't even know I exist, right? But I feel like I know him because I've built this pseudo-social relationship. Mm-hmm. And as entrepreneurs, as business owners, um, that is the holy grail. If you can create a brand and you can create a proposition that's strong enough that people feel that connection to you, even though you've never met them, then they are going to come to you rather than you have to bring them to you. You don't have to go out and generate leads. The leads are actually coming to you and they want to do they want to do business with you. Yeah. Man, and just getting them uh, that, you know, it's always just little keywords that kind of put you into the mind frame. And so when you say like the pseudo uh, say that, that relationship, pseudo I know, relationship. yeah, pseudo yeah. social, but yeah. uh, because you, you uh, uh, great way to explain the difference between that funnel and then also building that relationship. Right. Because, yeah, it's, it's almost about that audience and connecting with these people versus selling, you know. Yeah. You have absolutely nailed it in one, man. It is, this is the weird thing. The value proposition that makes us special is about our story and it's about who we are, but it's actually more about your audience. It's more about your customers because a good value proposition will get inside their head. And one of the ways I I always talk about this from a a bridge perspective, and we call this the bridge marketing method, but essentially when you're talking with, uh, so say for example, I'm talking to UKT, I'll go, right, okay. What I want to do is I first want you to imagine exactly where you are right now. So I would say things along the lines of, look, has, has this ever been you? Or have you, or like me, have you ever had this experience? And I'm not saying to you, hey, KT, you, you're having trouble generating leads, right? You, you're having trouble getting visible out there because maybe you go on the defensive and go, well, actually, I'm working really hard on that. Thank you very much. And who are you to tell me that? But if I go in there and go, hey, like me, do you sometimes struggle to generate leads? Like me, do you, do you miss the opportunities to get on stages, to get in PR, to get on things like that? Is that something that's frustrated you? And you come to that conclusion yourself. So immediately, you now are aware of where you're at, right? Remove the barriers and everything. Remove all the aspirations. You're going, this is me right now. Frustrated. Yes, I totally resonate with what you're saying, Vince. But then the next thing we want to do in the value proposition is we want to sell them the preferred future. And we do that by getting them to imagine. So I would say things like, well, imagine what it would be like if the press actually came to you. If you had people coming to you saying, hey, KT, we saw you on this. We'd love to book you for our show. Or we saw you on that, we'd love to get you on here. Or word of mouth going out there about the, what it is, what your proposition is and people coming to you going, I need your services. So what I've done there is you're now aware, you've come to the conclusion of where you are now, 
but you can now picture and imagine a preferred future where that need, that gap that's in your life is no longer there. And when you do this, you create this concept in our brains called cognitive dissonance. And what that is, is your brain's going, hang on, I've got two different things in here that are diametrically opposed. There's part of me right now that's going, hey, I'm here and I can't generate leads. And over here, I'm going, hey, all these leads are coming to me. So your brain is going, there's conflict in there. I need to resolve that conflict. And what it does is it tries to angle towards the, the one that is stronger. In other words, yes, we live in that preferred future. Yeah. So your brain's going to uh, like move towards that. And then when they're doing that, guess what? You're in the middle going, by the way, I'm the one that can help you get there. Yeah. <laughs> so you're the one to actually, so it's all about their journey. It's all about them coming to their own conclusions. You're just the person there that's guiding them. And next yeah. thing you know, they've signed on the dotted lines. Signed on a dotted line. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so now um, with this proposition and just now yep. getting into the technicalities of it, where is the first place um, that I start? Like are there exercises because yep. to get there, it's, got, it's a total mind shift, right? Because at yeah. the end of the day, we think it's sell, sell, sell. But, but <laughs> when you think connect, 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 first <laughs> off, where do I start to, to even begin that proposition? Right? Well, I, I will give you an example from one of my clients, one of my favorite clients, actually. Um, don't tell the other clients I've got. Um, but I remember when he came to me and I sat down with him, I said, okay, so why is it that you do what you do? Like, why are you so passionate about what you do? And he goes, because I make really good money. And I was like, oh, nope, <laughs> that's not, no. So let's dig into that a bit more. I said, why do you like working on the type of work that you do? And for him, he's a video production service. So he does, you know, commercials, he does documentaries and things like that. And he goes, oh, because I really like to produce good quality stuff. And I go, again, that's not it. So what we did was actually took him back. I said to him, okay, let's let's talk about video because he works in the video sector. Let's talk about video. What was some of your first memories of movies or documentaries or, you know, what's the first thing that pops in mind in your mind? And he was like, oh, man, oh, and you see him light up and he goes, I remember when I was, I was a teenager, early teenager, and uh, my dad used to take me and my brother to go and see Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. And, yeah. and we weren't allowed in there because we had to sneak in because we were too young. And we came away and we'd just go out and get, you know, you know get a milkshake afterwards. And we'd be talking about this movie and it just felt like it brought us together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, um, then what? And then we, we basically stepped through his journey and I call it the beats method. I basically just got him to tell me his life story yeah. as beats. So that was a beat. The beat there was that he remembers this moment where him and his brother were sharing with their father, you know, what was happening in that movie. Then he talked about how he went overseas and he did his big, you know, overseas experience traveling the world. And he got to go to these remote villages in Peru and all these places but he got to meet these people who had the most fascinating stories. And he said, I, I clearly remember thinking to myself, these are stories that people should hear, but no one's ever going to get the opportunity to unless they travel. So his whole thought process then was everyone should travel. Yeah. Then he started um, coming back and he trained us in, in video work and he trained doing video production work. He became a uh, wedding, wedding videographer. Um, terrible job, poor guy. <laughs> wedding videographer. But he started to realize that what he was doing there wasn't capturing the best angles, wasn't editing something together. It was capturing an atmosphere, an emotion, and a feeling. Yeah. So what happened with doing this, with plotting out all of these different beats, we would basically tell his backstory in a way that connected to what he does now. So all of a sudden, his story changed from I'm, you know, I'm out there doing this because I love making good money to actually I understand the power of video to bring people together and to tell a story. I understand the importance of video in telling stories of people that normally wouldn't have an audience or bringing together an emotion or, or a moment that should be celebrated or that should be remembered. Uh, and in doing so, like he, he did this. He went home. His wife's a psychologist. It was hilarious. 
I, I got him to practice all these beats. So we got him to mark out all the beats and write them all down. Then we got him to identify what I call the atomic beats. So these are the beats which are really important. So in other words, you know, the the moment he realized with his dad and his brother about movies or going on the OE or, you know, um, doing the wedding videography, et cetera. And then we work on what's the epiphany beat. What's the moment that he suddenly realized what he wants to do today. So he mapped all this out and we told this origin story to his wife and he came back and he's like, dude, and he goes, I'm inspirational. And he was so excited because his wife almost cried at the story. So he'd gone from going, I make good money and I do what I do because I'm good at it kind of thing to suddenly going, I care about this and I care so much. That's why you should care working with me. Um, and, and understanding that story and understanding his origin, understanding that proposition has helped him to, in fact, it helped him recently to get on what we call all of government, which is a, a government selection panel here. So if you're in there, you get a ton of work coming your way because you're a preferred supplier to our government. Okay. Um, but to do that, he told the story. To do that, he brought that to life in his application. So, so that's where I would start. I would start by understanding your story, why you do what you do. And in that, you're going to find out what makes you so unique. Because despite the fact, and this is the weird thing we have to understand as entrepreneurs, despite the fact that, say you're a videographer, there are many, many other people out there that do exactly what you do. Mm -hmm. But they are not you. You are the sum total of your experiences, your personality, your learnings, your mistakes, your failures, your scars, um, the, the things that have been spoken to you, the things that you've learned from other mentors and, and coaches, the things that have happened in your personal life, all of these things come together to form who you are now. And there are a whole pile of people out there that will connect with you and that story. And in and, and saying that, there are a whole pile of people out there that won't connect with you and your story, and that's okay as well. So, yeah, so I would start there, man. I'd understand what your story is. Mm, that's it, man. And so, um, wow, just thinking of how awesome that is, just taking different times of of that guy's life and then i was like all putting them together intentionally uh to serve what he's currently doing yeah yeah and we honestly the funny thing is though i will warn you if you are going to do this exercise and i highly recommend everybody do it i will warn you i I, in my academy program i got all my students to do it and they go away and the my favorite quote ever is on our facebook group where one of them said I'm just working through the um, the the beats method now, you dick, <laughs> because it's it actually stirs up a lot of emotion. For a lot of people, their journey actually has twists and turns in it, has scars in it, and has pain in it. And you are going to relive those as you go through it. So just make sure you guard yourself and make sure you've got people around you can talk to. Um, but it is important. It's important to understand why you do what you do, because that's what's going to keep you going when you hit hard times. When you're suddenly not profitable or the market turns upside down or something happens, there's a war in Ukraine, all these kind of random things that are happening around the world. When these things impact you, it's your why that's going to keep you doing what you're doing. And if you understand that because you've gone through this process, it's going to be a lot easier for you. Now, are sales the only way for me to, um, I guess, gauge the quality of my value proposition? Um Yes and no. I mean, look, sales is a great indicator of it. It's a short <laughs> indicator of it. But um, but using the example I talked about before with uh, one of my peers, you know, where they're all about the funnel. They're all about, um, actually, to be honest, they're all about manipulating people. Him and I don't see eye to eye on many things. It's one of my peers in the industry. And he's all about grab that quick buck as fast as you can, charge them as much as you can up front, then take them up the value ladder and get more and more and more. And I'm like, sure. When you're doing that, you are creating that transaction, which means you can measure that based on sales. But what I'm doing is very different. So I take a different approach to all this. And and this annoys the heck out of a lot of my peers. It certainly annoys a couple of my coaches as well. I give away as much as possible for free. 
I go out there and I, I teach people how to do PR. I teach people how to become authors. I teach people how to launch podcasts, all these kind of things. And I do most of that for free because I know that by doing that, when they want to come and work with me, which they inevitably do, then interesting thing happens. It's not about selling to them. I've already got that connection. They already feel like, hey, I can trust Vince. I know that Vince is the type of person that empowers me. I know that Vince is the type of person that's going to inspire me to do this. Yeah. And every time I connect with him and I do one of his masterclasses, I come away totally energized because, you know, I'm always on caffeine and <laughs> bouncing around the room when I'm trying to teach them stuff. So, so it's a different kind of proposition. Yes, I can measure that on sales. And it does do wonders for your sales as well, because if you do put good things out there and you do free things for people, then the money does tend to follow that anyway. But more than that, what happens is you form a following essentially, and you form a group of people that it doesn't matter what I put out. I'm putting out three NFT series this year. I think I told you about these before KT, but I can tell you now, all of my current customers are gonna buy those NFTs. Uh, even if I don't want them to, they, they're gonna give me no choice. Every time I put a new book out there, they're all buying that book and they're buying multiple copies of it, but not because they're interested in that book, not because that book has a list of benefits and features there, but because they're buying into who I am and they know and they trust that whatever I put out there is going to impact them because what I've done so far has done that to them. So mm. yeah, oh, that's God, the best way to measure it is what are you building community-wise? What are you building loyalty-wise, fan-wise, essentially? Yeah, um, see, when it, shout out to Ray. She said, understand yep. your why. Yeah, Ray uh, gets it. That's exactly yeah. it. That, that's it, man. And so when I'm looking at this, um, and thinking about the overall business plan, uh, yeah. how do I insert that into uh, the business plan? I, I mean, look, uh, there's many different ways. I, I'm not a fan of a traditional business plan at all. Okay. Um, this, this really irritates a lot of people um, because I just believe in adapting as you go. Yeah. But essentially, if you're looking at your business plan, this is your why. This is your, your vision, essentially. And it comes through in your values and things as well. When you deeply understand who you are, you understand your journey you will also understand what's important to you and what are your not negotiables. All of those are your values. All of those are the things that must be in your business. So that comes through in your business plan, but also in your messaging, it starts to come through as well. And it comes through in your value statement. So the I help X to do Y by Z. Um, so it comes through in there, but it also will come through in your long form content. It'll come through in your social posts where you talk about your journey you talk about what you learned along the way and this is one of the biggest um, secrets that i'll give you when when working on value proposition and putting your content out there we all need to understand our why we need to understand our journey but in that we also need to be very honest with people and we need to be vulnerable and this scares a lot of entrepreneurs but what happens you've got to understand the neuromarketing aspects of vulnerability so when you are showing vulnerability like if you think about it your brain has three kind of core functions that take or core areas that control decision-making, for example. You have the reptilian brain, that's the defensive brain, that's the part of you that uh, keeps you safe, essentially, uh, but also reminds you to breathe and walk and all those kind of things. That's the old part of the brain. Then you've got the limbic system in the middle, which is the, uh, the emotional part of your brain, right? And then you have the neocortex, which is the logical part. Most marketers focus on the logical aspect of the brain. They go, what are my features? What are my benefits? What is my pricing? Uh, what is my customer persona? All those kind of things. And they focus on that area there. But the interesting thing is that's not where decisions are made. Decisions are made in the limbic system and the emotional core. They are opted out of by the reptilian brain. So that's the part that goes, something doesn't seem right here. I'm out of here. Let's not make that decision. Uh, but if that limbic system's okay, uh, the reptilian part of your brain rather is okay, then the neocortex then justifies the decision you've already made in the emotional part of your brain by looking at all the logical reasons. 
So by showing vulnerability, you take the reptilian brain out of this out of the equation. Because the moment you share vulnerability, there's a neural coupling that happens. So you're telling a story to someone, I'm telling a story to you, I'm showing vulnerability, talking about, oh, and I stuffed up in this area, or actually find this really difficult personally, but this is how I've got around it. When I do that, your brain is going on the same journey with me. But the, the defensive part of the brain goes, hey, hang on, this must be a safe space because they're sharing something that could be weakness. So therefore, I'm not needed here. This is a safe space. I'll go and sit in the corner and have a cup of coffee or a whiskey or whatever. And I'll leave you guys, you know, the limbic and the neocortex. I'll leave you to get on with the decision making process there. So showing vulnerability in your journey and your story through your copy, all those kind of things is going to it's going to create a deeper connection with your customers. Trust me. Man, when you said that copy, oh my God, that that should be an entire different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Now talking about that, um, as we just jump into that, because I guess when you get that value proposition out, it's all inside of that copy. Yeah. Right. So, so now, uh, do you also work with uh, small businesses as they do copy? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do a lot of work. So most of my work is around. Um, but basically understanding what their value proposition is, but understanding okay. their differentiator in market. And mm. that's why a lot of the work I do is around thought leadership. Uh, because one of the ways that you can stand out as a business is to be positioned as a thought leader. And that comes with two things. It comes with the technique and the, the things that I'll teach you around what you need to do for that. But it also comes around with a massive mindset set shift because mm. your brain's going to immediately go, oh, hang on, but there's so many people that are better than me at what I do. There's so many people that I can't say I'm an expert. I can't say I'm a thought leader because, mm. but actually you can, and I'll show you why. So that's for some of the things we go into. And then on the thought leadership side, a lot of the work I do is around um, helping uh, entrepreneurs to become authors. Um, I have a publishing company. Uh, on the side, which I use to publish my books and and my customers' books, and now a whole pile of collaboration books as well, which is a lot of fun. Um, and and then also help people to launch their podcast, to get on TEDx stages, yeah. to uh, get in the press and things like that as well. Anything that's going to add that extra little bit of, oh, they must know what they're talking about. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of stuff I do with small business. Yeah, I, I was talking to a lady last night, and uh, you know, as I sent her the proposal, um, the plan part of the plan was just being making you that leader right yeah. um inside of your film I, I think it was counseling so then it's like okay well you've been doing it so long but how do people know <laughs> that you have that experience without getting out there yeah Man. and that, that's the thing we we forget as well is because we always look at we always doubt our skills and it's this weird thing i wish i had a whiteboard here and <laughs> this is weird thing where if you ask someone what they know versus what everyone else knows they always go like this they go here's a circle here this is what i know and here's what everyone else knows. And they draw this bigger circle around it. So you always feel like you know less than everybody else. But in reality, and talking about your peers, talking about the people that do the same thing as you, in reality, you know this, they know this, somebody else knows this, somebody else knows this. And every now and then those circles cross over and there'll be an area where you and I, for example, both share expertise on. But there are areas where I would be like, I've got no idea. And you're the KT going, dude, this is easy. I do this yeah. in my sleep. You know. So we've got to remind ourselves that uh, most people are in the same boat as us. Most people doubt themselves. In fact, getting uh, that award for uh, from Adobe uh, was a massive eye-opener for me because I've always struggled with imposter syndrome. Mm. And I remember standing up there on stage. They'd only picked the top 25 of the top 50 marketers. And I'm standing up there on stage, and everybody that I look up to in the industry was on that stage. Mm. So you had your Brian Solaces, your Ann Hanley's, your Seth Godin's, all these kind of people up there. And I'm going, I know every single person on the stage. Not one of them will know who I am. Uh, turns out they did actually know who I was, a lot of them. 
but I got to go to dinner with these people. I'm feeling now like a complete fraud. I'm like, why am I here? They obviously got the wrong Vince Warnock. There's some poor digital marketer out there called Vince Warnock who's amazing, and he's sitting there going, why was I not invited? And I'm sitting there going, um, <laughs> But I'm at the dinner table with all these people, and the more I got to talk to them, the more I realized the words coming out of their mouth were the same words that come out of mine. I had someone there who's got eight books that are all uh, New York Times bestsellers, right? eight books in, under their belt, and they were producing their, their ninth, I think it was, and they said to me, oh, man, I, I hate putting a book out. I always get really insecure. I think, why would anyone want to read my books? Why would anyone? I'm like, that's literally what I'm feeling about the book yeah. I'm publishing right now. How is this possible? You're yeah. you. You're amazing. I'm just me. And you realize they're all. we all suffer from the same insecurities. We all yeah. suffer from the same fears. The thing that differentiates people that do succeed from the rest is that they just do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And even though that fear is there, they don't face that fear. They just keep doing it and keep pressing in and doing what they're supposed to do. So for anyone who's worried about being a thought leader, worried about positioning themselves or worried about putting their value proposition out there and actually saying how why people should work with you, think about it from the other perspective that there is a whole pile of people in this world that are designed to respond to you and your journey. There are people out there, there are, there are other uh, visibility coaches, for example, out there that um, my clients will never resonate with because they haven't gone through some of the insecurities they've gone through, the hardships they've gone through, the lessons they've gone through, and vice versa. There'll be people that connect with them that will never connect with me. There is always an audience for who you are and your thought leadership. So own it and step into it. Mm, that's what Ray said, uh, showing vulnerability and humility. Yes, hey, that's exactly. what it's about. Yeah. Humility, so, obviously, for us because you know we're so damn good at what we do. No, <laughs> hey, you know this is what we do, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so now, um, just for people who um, you know, thinking about that visibility, so many people trying to get online, trying to get seen, yeah. and thinking about your social media, only going to maybe one percent, two percent, if you can get, really get out there. Yeah. What can those people do, small business owners, to uh, begin to get their business more visible? The first thing they've got to do is connect with them. They connect with their current clients. You really do. You need to find out. You get in in the face of as many of your clients as you can, mm -hmm. and I know that's that's nerve wracking for a lot of people. But the more you talk to your clients, the more you understand them. The more you hear the words that they use when they describe their problems or they describe the solution, then the more that factors into your marketing messaging. I'll give you a good example of this. Um, there's a couple of women that I was helping through COVID. Uh, they're two little old ladies, and they're going to kill me for saying they're little old ladies, but they are. Um, they're based out of Melbourne uh, in Australia, and they have a knitting cafe there. And uh, they basically, COVID killed every revenue stream that they had. No one could go into their shop. They also do these like knitting cruises and these knitting vineyard tours, which are basically just an excuse for a pile of people to come together, learn some knitting technique, then get drunk and do karaoke and dancing, yeah. you know, so and have a whole hey. pile of fun. But of course, all of those were, were wiped out because of COVID. So the first thing I did was help them to empower them to actually create their own website and put their stuff online. And they, they thought they couldn't do it, but I showed them Shopify. It was super easy. Yeah. Their post system, their point of sale system made it really easy to export everything out, put it into Shopify. They were up and running in a weekend. They did a, a Facebook Live on the Monday with giant glasses of wine. Just and They were drunk as just going, we did it. We built it ourselves. And they had like 500 people in this live. It was wow. incredible. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, right, we, we got them up and running. They started finding they were making more money than ever, more money than they've ever made in their shop or through the cruises. And they were connecting people as well. We were looking at how we can replicate the real life stuff in the digital space. Yeah. So that was going really well. But I realized there was a problem there, which is they didn't have very good search engine optimization results or SEO results. So I came to them and said, look, OK, here's what we want to do. 
um, I said, you're not getting very good search engine results, right? So what I want to do is I want to do a thing called an SEO watch audit, which is a search engine optimization audit. Mm -hmm. So we'll go through all of your different content, all your different keywords, all these kind of things, and we'll put a game plan together to get you higher up the ranking. And I realized both of them were looking at me completely blank. And one of them leans in, she goes, look, dear, we don't care about any of that. We just want to get found on Google. And that's when I realized I've just fallen for the thing that I teach people a lot to do, which is I had used my own terminology, my own wording, my own everything. But if I got more in front of the customers, I would have realized that's not the words that they use. So I, I flipped it on its head and I said, well, how about this then? You're not getting found on Google. They went, nah. I said, well, how about I find out why? Yes, yeah. please. And then we'll get you found on Google. <laughs> no brainer. Take same, money. same thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, really simple. The more you connect with your customers, the more your wording, your messaging will deeply connect with a wider audience. But then you can start to work on your visibility. And that's getting in the press. Um, that is uh, obviously getting on stage as much as possible, getting on podcasts as much as possible. Um, that is becoming an authority. And there are some good ways to do that. One of those is to become an author. And that is actually not as hard as you think. It's actually quite easy, particularly collaboration books are a really good model to use for that, where you only have to write three to, three to 5,000 words on a specific topic to position yourself as a thought leader. And then you're positioned alongside all these other experts in the industry as well. So those are some of the ways I would go about just making sure that you really stand out. And just think about it from your customer's perspective. You know, Just think about when they're looking at you, what are they looking for? They're looking for someone who's gone further than they have. Uh, and that's why becoming an author, getting a podcast, getting on TV stages is really important for those kind of things. Man, and so I know you talked about um, you know, the the podcast creation, uh, like I say, working with the thought leaders. Uh, yeah. what else uh do you have inside of the wheelhouse? <laughs> oh man, okay. I'm gonna give you some insight into my uh my goal writing. Okay, yeah. so every year I set 25 goals for myself. Um, they range across, you know, personal, family, all these kind of health, all those kind of things as well. Um, but for the business, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to sit down in December. I'm going to plan out 2022. What, I'm, what are the goals I want to achieve? So you set your monetary goals, you set your, your community goals, all these kind of things. But one of the things I did was I looked back on the year and thought, what was the thing that lit me up the most? And, and we had so many different uh, like milestones throughout the year in 2021. Like I had clients that hit new uh, revenue milestones. I had some people pivot their business completely because they found what they're truly passionate about. I had um, clients who launched their own podcast. I've had quite a few that launched their own podcast and were doing really, really well off the back of that as well. But it was the one thing more than anything else that really stood out to me. And it was any time I helped one of my author, uh, one of my entrepreneurs become an author and they held that book and they're on Zoom with me and they're holding the book in their hand, the giant cheesy grin. They're like, I'm an author. This is fantastic. And I realized that grin's not going away for a week or so. Yeah. So that's when I decided I'm going to double down on that for 2022. So I helped 20 of my clients become authors in 2021. So I set myself a goal of, I'm going to help 100 entrepreneurs become an author in 2022. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to put a stretch goal on that of an additional 100. So 200 people become authors. Yeah. Then I had a minor panic attack and realized, how the hell am I going to do that? <laughs> and that was a stupid goal, Vince. Um, so that's when I did worked on the collaboration book model. Yeah. Uh, so bringing together 10 different entrepreneurs around a specific topic. So yeah. at the moment, I launched with nine books. We've got about four left that we're finding authors for at the moment. Um, but yeah, there are a model where... Uh, basically, you pay, I think it's about $1,500, but you get to be a author. In fact, you get to be a best-selling author. And it's one of the things that was really important to me. I sat down with my team and said, okay, let's have a look at what's important to them as an entrepreneur. What's important is that they learn to make money off this. So we're going to put together a roadmap for you, and we're going to teach you how to use that book to make leads and make money. 
right? Because you're not going to make it off the book sales, just yeah. face that fact, right? Yeah. In fact, we give all the profits to charity. Yeah. We give it all to a social good campaign. So you because mm -hmm. you're not going to make much money off that. Let's give it to someone that will actually you know value that. Yeah. But we will give you the files. We'll give you the EPUB, the Mobi, the PDF files, all the ebook files, and we'll mm -hmm. teach you how to use that to generate leads. That's important to them. What else is important? Uh, that they get a physical copy of the book. Well, how about we give them 10? We give them 10 copies of the physical book, 10 copies of the ebook. They can give it to family and friends as a Christmas present just to go, ha ha, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or they can sell it, they can put it on yeah. the shelf, whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. But the other thing for me was, can we, like, you know, being called an author is important, but can we get it that they call themselves a best selling author? Can we hit that elusive bestseller tag on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to my team and said, look, can we do this? And they went, no, don't tell them that. I said, okay, well, let's have a look at our track record. What's our track record like? Mm -hmm. Well, it's 100%. I said, so why can't we guarantee this? Yeah. They're like, well, because that's scary. And I said, okay, well, let's have a look at our methodology. So I've created an algorithm that scrapes all of Amazon, looks at all the different categories, looks at all the different things, works out the probability of, of hitting number one spot in various different things. Yeah. So yeah, using that, can we can we accurately predict whether or not we're going to be a seller? They went, yeah, we can. Yeah. I said, so we're going to guarantee it. Yeah. So so that's the kind of stuff I've been working on. That and also on the technology front, um, just looking at how things like NFTs, uh, which we don't have time to go into, but NFTs and some of that new kind of Web 3.0 technology, yeah. how that serves us as entrepreneurs. So forget the flashy, shiny, I'm going to be a multimillionaire because I'm going to buy a board ape NFT or anything like yeah. that. <laughs> forget yeah. All those kind of things. yeah. But how can we use this as entrepreneurs to really deeply connect with our clients, really yeah. deeply connect with our audience? And and a different way of doing business. So, yeah. so those are some of the things I'm having fun with. Then, like honestly, yeah. my life is just a constant party at the moment. It seems like I'm just having so much fun. Yeah. Hey, but that, that's a good thing, though, man. Yeah. Um, I, I think about you talked about the bestseller. I remember um 2020, right? Yeah. So the uh, New Year's, the uh, New Year's Eve. I said, oh man, I'm about to get this book out. So I put the book out New Year's Eve, yeah. and I woke up January 1st, 2020. Uh, Amazon bestseller. Yes. And I was like, dude, overnight, dude. I it's say, the man. Best feeling, eh? yeah. Oh, my. I, I do. Ever since then, I've just only been going through my website. I'm like, I, I cannot put another book on Amazon. I can ruin it. I'm going out on top, baby. I love it. I love it. It's, it's weird, though, because you, you almost feel embarrassed to tell people about it as well because it's you feel like a fraud. You're going, but how did I just become a bestseller? Because people bought your book. Um, for me, it was, I always wanted to be in an airport lounge. Yeah. And I remember going through um, going through customs, uh, not customs, duty free. Going through duty free uh, at the airport in Sydney. It was. I was coming back to New Zealand, and I went through the the bookstore there, and I looked, and all of a sudden I realized my book on the shelf. Wow! Like one of my books, and I'm like, <laughs> and I was buzzing. I grabbed my phone. And I'm like, I'm going to take photos of me, and then I got really self conscious and thought, yeah, everyone's going to look at me like I'm a dick. So <laughs> I can't do this. So I was just like, take a photo of the books on the shelf and then walk away quietly. Yeah, but yeah. you get in your own head and you get embarrassed, but you should be proud of that. It's an incredible accomplishment. Um, not many people, in fact, think about this. This is the reason that being an author is such a thought leadership play is because uh, most people don't do what you're doing. Most people haven't taken the time to actually put their thoughts down or articulate their thoughts and put it down on paper. And as a result of that, that makes you immediately stand out. And in the minds of your prospective customers, they're looking at going, well, the fact that you've done this, the fact that you've taken this thoughts and put it on paper and put all this effort into it, effort into it, must mean that it's worthwhile, which means you must know what you're doing. So from their perspective, that's why it positions you. So you should be proud of that. Everyone should be proud of being an author. I love it. I'm telling you, man. I um yeah, I've been writing, and the killing part about that was. It was only, uh, well, not only because it was big, but it was a reflection of my podcast. So I just took um, 
uh, it was one with a friend of mine. She's a financial advisor. And so yeah. then I kind of used it as reflections for me of what I took away. Um, and then I put in maybe like three or four steps that she used to really turn your money, your credit around. Yeah. Yeah. Man, dropped it, put it out to the, my community on social media. And when I tell you, like you say, life changed that next day. But but um, such an awesome accomplishment. Uh, yeah. So you, you're right, though. It's not a lot of people that I know have done it. Yeah, well, it, it also it opens up so many doors for you, and you you would have seen this man. I mean, I I used yeah. to charge anything from three to five k um to for a speaking gig, you know, to do a keynote uh, around the world. And the moment I became a published author, that skyrocketed. I was getting paid up to twenty k at some events. Yeah. In fact, one event it was pre COVID. It's kind of a shame too because COVID actually shut down the event, which meant they'll miss the opportunity. But they came to me and said, "Look, we can't afford your fee, but what we can do is we can pay you five thousand US." Uh, and we'll buy 5,000 copies of your book because we've got a budget to actually give away stuff at the mm -hmm. at the summit itself. And I'm like doing the quick mental math going, that's actually making more money than my fee. And I get to hand sign 5,000 copies, which means I'm going to have a reasonable hand. Yeah. But also I'm in front of all these people who are pr prospective customers. So it was a huge opportunity. But that wouldn't happen if you didn't have a book. You know, If you weren't yeah. a best-selling author, you wouldn't have those opportunities. Man. And well, look, man, as we get ready to wrap this thing up tonight, um value proposition is there any last tidbits that you want to give before we close it out Mr. Warner? uh the key thing for me is obviously bring your story into it as much yeah. as you can uh obviously with your value statement you've only got a small amount of time and there's some really good examples of value statements out there um, but they align with who you are so think about uber for example the smartest way to travel right or to travel around i think it is or mm -hmm. something but the fact that they've got the smartest in there and it aligns with what you want to be perceived as. So if I'm using Uber, I'm going, yeah, smartest. That makes me the smartest because I'm using it, you know, or Apple, the Apple iPhone, their whole thing was the experience is the product. So what they're saying here is when you buy this, it's an experience. So they're actually selling their values. They're selling their why as part of that as well. So if you can bring that to life in your value proposition, your value statement through your content marketing, all those kind of things, Honestly, that's going to stand out to everybody. Yeah. All right, man. So how do we find you? How do we get um, more in tune with Chasing Insights uh, and him here, the podcast? Well, man, I make it really complicated for it. No, I'm joking. I make it really easy. Just go to ChasingTheInsights.com. Uh, if you go there, that is the home of my podcast. That is the home of my books. You're also going to see two links that are really important there. One is uh, Book a Free Strategy Call. So if you're stuck with marketing, you're stuck with any aspect of this, or you're not sure of something you want to run it past someone, just book a time with me. I'm always keen to meet new people. There's no obligation. It is free. Um, I just love to help as many people as I can. But then the other link you're going to see on there is the become an author link. Um, and if you're really serious about wanting to become an author, want to become a best-selling author, get in now before those books fill up because there's only a couple of slots left in each of the titles. Um, so if you book in that there, then we can jump on a call and just see if you're a good fit or not. And we can take it from there. Oh, you'll yeah, also man. see links to everywhere on social to connect with me. Please just connect with me. Just connect with me everywhere unless you're a spammer. Don't connect with me if you're a spammer. But everyone yeah. else, just I love meeting new people. So just hit me up. That's it, man. Look, I will yep. tell you this. Um, I'm going to book me a call so that <laughs> we could. I am stuck. <laughs> so, no, you man, know, I'm, you are always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate it, man. So yeah. uh, I think that would do it for us. Awesome information tonight, Mr. Vince. Um. Man, just so much good things for small business owners, entrepreneurs, because the first piece is understanding that why and letting that yeah. drive you uh, to go forward in your business. But if you can't really verbalize and really get that out to the customer, um, I, I think that that really shuts you down. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And if you're stuck with that, reach out, have a chat. 
Yeah. There we go. All right, man. Awesome. That will do it for us. All right, y'all. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah. Man, look, I appreciate the time. Man. Cheers. All right. This is KT for KTTV signing out. 100. This is Darnell Broadcast Houston. This is Dr. Tamara Beckford. Hey, this is Candace. This is London Underwood. This is Kirsten Bass with Inner City Greens, and you're watching. Y'all are now tuned in to KTTV. 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 Is that right? <laughs>